Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. What's going on, everybody? What's up? It's your girl, Sheree Nicole, here with another episode of Just a Thought with Sheree Nicole. And you all, I'm so excited today. This gentleman... Keith L. Brown is a dynamic speaker. He's a master motivator, and he's one phenomenal human being. And also, he's a cute, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, <laughs> shout out shout out to the Qs out there. But honestly, you know, I have been, I, I met Keith a few years ago, and he has become a fast friend of mine. He has looked out for me. This man has dropped 20, 30 bucks in my cash app just to say lunch on me. I mean, he's really, really, really invested in in the future that I believe God has for me. And you don't find that often. So I'm grateful that he's here with me now. We've been talking about getting this interview done, I don't know, for the last several months. Got him in studio, Keith L. Brown. Yeah. What's going on? Because we got a lot to talk about. Oh, you know we do. First of all, G O D J O B. Good job. Good job to you and your listeners. Significant, Cherie. Significant. That's the S is for significant. The H is for helpful, the A is for advocate, the R is for resilient, and the I is for influencer. So you have to take all of that. You have to name, claim, and frame it. And uh, yes, Mr. Impossible is in the building, also known as Uncle Keith. And so to all of your listeners out there, you are worth it. You are worth it, but only you can define what your it is. You all feel the energy. I hope you do. I I can't remember what event this was, Keith, but... um my introduction to you was actually you spelling out good job as you just did. Yes. I don't know what was going on, but I'm like, who is this guy back here spelling these words out, cheering cheering me on? I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And from there, we've been inseparable. Yes. But for you, you know, where did you, where where was the route to you as a mode like your you as a motivator? Where did that come from? Because it's not just we can all encourage people. Sure. You know, we can all say nice things to people. But this is deeply seated in your soul, which yes. I think is different. Where did that come from? That's a it's definitely a God given gift that took me from impossible to it's possible to <laughs> I'm possible. Because early on in my life I was labeled special ed. I was labeled special ed most of my life because they said I talk too much and <laughs> now I get paid globally mm. to talk. And so it was always that yeah. being in a class of 35 and they pulling me out and then I was in a class of five because I learned that I was small and Mm. black and different all because I was hyperactive all because I talked a lot like Mm. most black boys systematically Mm. mislabeled and so I found myself in schools in assembly program speaking while in special ed winning citywide speak out contests in Jamaica New York while in special ed most likely to succeed in high school while in special ed then HBCU Savannah State University Mm. All of this 
while having that label on me. But yeah. that was the impossible. But it turned into it's possible. And then that God anointed I'm possible. And so the root of me motivating and inspiring and empowering actually started out in my childhood. We're in a time now, and I'm going to get to your childhood in a second. We're in a time now, Keith, where social media puts a lot of people in a position to be motivational speakers. Yeah. Air quotes. Um, because I do think that is a specialized skill that not many people can actually do. Um, so now that motivational speaking is sexy, it's something that people um, look to as an opportunity to profit um, what say you to those who say, I want to be a motivational speaker, Keith. I really want to do this. I don't want to just do this to be an influencer. I don't want to just do this to be popular. I want to change lives. And this is no slight to anybody who's a motivational speaker because that could very well be your motive as well. But what does it take to be a great motivational speaker and not just that, a great motivator just in general? You know, every time some of my coaching clients, uh, prospective clients come and they say, I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to get on the stage. I want to do what you do. I always give them the horror stories. Mm. The stories about resilience. The stories where you're not going to always be wanted in the marketplace. The stories that say, what makes you compelling? What makes you different from others? Yeah. Can you connect? Because if you're not connecting, then you're just saying a bunch of words. And the, the, here, here's the dangerous part. Here, here's the dangerous part of all of this. There are so many individuals who are claiming to be motivational speakers. Those of us who are serious about this craft. Yeah. Those of us who were called to do this. You know, sometimes we are minimized because in the marketplace, there are so many. Yeah. Who are just putting that on social media. I'm a motivational speaker. I'm a life coach. You know, that's my favorite one. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> I'm a life coach. And it's so dangerous because yeah. at the end of the day, what you don't understand is people are going to believe you. Yes. And if you're not sincere, if you're not genuine, if you're not authentic, you're going to be putting out so many false messages. And here's the thing. People will hire you one or two times, but then they can see through the facade. Mm -hmm. This is not for the for just those who want the glamour. Yeah. This is not for those who just want the applause. I'm serious about saving lives. Mm -hmm. I'm serious about changing lives, impacting lives. This is my craft. I've studied it. I've mastered it. And so it is quite offensive at times when people just pop up one day and say, hey, I'm a motivational speaker. And so I would say to anyone, if you know that is your true calling, number one, you have to get some training. Yeah. You have to invest in your craft, invest in yourself. This is not something where you just wake up one day and decide to be. As a matter of fact, it's not even your decision. You have to be called to this. Yeah. And and very few are called. And then I hear people say, no, I was called to this. No, you were hearing voices. Uh -oh. You understand? You have to be called. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't want to get on that soapbox, but I will say this. More than just being a motivational speaker, I'm an empowerment speaker. Yeah, yeah. I'm an empowerment speaker. Because at the end of the day, when the thousands I empower, when they leave, I want them leaving talking about me, but thinking about themselves. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. the catch right that's there. That's it. Well, I, I want to think about myself, but I do want to talk about you. And <laughs> you, you talked about awesome. saving lives. Yes. And for you, and you mentioned your childhood a little bit earlier. I want to dive a little bit more deeply into that. What saved little Keith's life wow. to the point where he can look at me and have this type of conversation right now, based on the things that you've already shared about your childhood? It is deep and it's emotional. You know, it's emotional for me growing up in a blended family. I grew up with two mothers, two fathers, brothers and sisters on both sides, you know. And 
lost a brother to sickle cell anemia, still standing, lost a sister to the AIDS virus, still standing. Resilience saved me. My mom, who's now battling Alzheimer's disease, mm. I was always the apple of my mother's eye. Always, she always spoke life into me, made sure I was in the fine arts, you know. I'm an athlete. I might not look like it, but I'm an athlete. As you well. give me a running back tease. Oh, you know, look. <laughs> I was a nose guard in high school. Shout out Springfield Gardens High School, the late, great Anthony Mason, New York Knicks, right? But um, she had me in fine arts. So I was doing everything from tap to African dance. Mm. I was with the Negro Ensemble. I was with the Black Spectrum Theater Company in New York. My mom did everything to nurture the gifts in me, to edify Mm. the gifts in me. And my dad as well, you know. So they were family members who nurtured me. I had that village of love, that village of support. And even though I was systematically labeled, they never made me feel Mm. like I was labeled. So the system said I was special ed. My family and teachers and others said I was a specialty speaker. And to teachers, shout out, shout out for Teacher Appreciation Week, you know. I have to shout out all the teachers across the country who are making it happen. And so, yeah, mom was very instrumental in saving little Keith. It's amazing that you say that. Little Keith, right? I haven't heard that in a while. Hmm. But the little boy is still on the inside of me. So that's why I can be grown with this silver beard right here, this this silver <laughs> beard, and still be lit mm. with the young people, still be yeah. able to reach individuals from 8 to 80. You yeah. know? So mom, mom, and that faith, that faith to draw from. Mom, though, I have to give it up for mom, family members, and others in the neighborhood, in the community, the village. Because, you know, back in the day, Cherie, we didn't have to say it takes a village to raise a child. Automatically because was, the vill- it was, was automatic. Absolutely. My neighbors looked out. Mm-hmm. Everybody looked out. And so now we have to say it takes a village. And it's sad that we have to remind yep, our culture that yes, it takes it is a sad. village when that's where we came from. Absolutely. That's who we are. It's a part of our DNA. So I'm, I'm one of the millions of little black boys that were saved because of mothers. You know, because and fathers, right? Yeah. Because of parents, because of the community, because of faith-based institutions. I'm one of those ones who made it out because I was taught I was not a thug. I just needed a hug. Mm. And so many of our black boys, if we could just give them a hug, right, that yeah. would reduce them wanting to be a thug. So, yeah. I'm yeah. going to get back to black boys and black men for a Absolutely. minute. Um, but I want to I want to stay here for a moment because as you were talking about what the teachers were saying and what the school administrators were yes. saying— Versus what your family was saying and imparting into you. Such a dichotomy there. Yes. Such a fine line in between that you're walking and ultimately leaning into the direction that your family um, gratefully supported you in and said who you were. But as as a young child, again, a young black boy, how did you handle the the dualities of what was being said to you? Because these are two separate ends of the spectrum. Absolutely. What pushed you to the side that said, no, you're... You're the 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 world is your oyster. You're gifted. You're talented. You're amazing. You're gonna do great things in the world. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. You know what it was? Honestly, it was always that positive reinforcement. Even from teachers who would put me on those assembly programs. Because growing up in Jamaica, New York, every Friday we had an assembly. Hmm. Every, every Friday? Oh, every Friday we had an assembly. So we had to dress up. What? Okay. We went in the auditorium. And I would be on stage and I would be delivering Dr. Martin Luther King speeches. 
And I would be delivering all of these messages like theme for English B by Langston Hughes. I remember being in the fifth grade on the mic talking about the instructor said, go home and write a page tonight. And let that page come out of you and let it be true. And they would be going berserk. Bars. Because, yes, they would be going berserk. But can you imagine I'm in elementary school learning about Langston Hughes Man. and Maya Angelou. And they showed us these pictures. I mean, these were black teachers, white teachers. They showed us these pictures of our heroes. Our heroes. I knew about Sojourner Truth when mm. I was in the fourth grade. Come on. I knew about James Baldwin mm. in the third grade. I knew about Richard Wright's Black Boy. This was in elementary school, wow. and it was reinforced. And so anytime when I was down on myself about being different mm. or in that small classroom where I knew that I was out of place, there was always someone in that building reminding me of my greatness by putting a mic inside of my hand and saying, Keith, do your thing. That's what it was. So even though there were some dark times and sad times where I questioned my own intelligence, Mm -hmm. someone was always there for that positive reinforcement. And so parents out there, no matter what your child has been labeled, if they've been labeled special needs or ADHD or LD, you have to tell them to, that they're great. You have to teach yeah. them these affirmations that I that I teach children across the world and young people. I love myself. Hmm. I believe in myself. I'm proud of myself. I'm a genius. When children hear that, they believe that. When young people hear that, they believe that. So no, no matter what they're going through, yeah. you have to speak life into them. And parents, let me say this. Dumb and stupid are not on their birth certificate. Mm. So even even when you're upset with your child, there were times when I had to de-escalate. I was upset with my own son and I had to remove myself from my son so hmm. I would not say the wrong thing. And so wow. as parents, we have to be very careful what we say to our children, the messages we speak into the lives of our children, because no matter how much they you think they don't listen, they're yeah. listening, they're internalizing it, they believe it. One of the worst things we could have done, Cherie, is told our children Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. No, words don't hurt. They kill. Yes, they do. They destroy, right? And so I'm changing the entire paradigm now. I don't even tell children, you know, we say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't say that. I say, what are you? Mm. Because America doesn't need any more wannabes. The world doesn't need any more wannabes. And so it was that reinforcement that was placed into me. And now I place it into millions of children and young people across the globe. I love that. Let's talk about children. Um, We'll talk about children overall. Yes. And then also black children. Yes. So we already know that young people have a certain set of needs that are very unique anyway. Now we throw COVID in. Now a lot of kids are remote learning and dealing with all isolation and all these other different things that growing up, you and myself never had to even deal with. Correct. Then you throw social media on top of it. This is just a convoluted mental health mania, for lack of a better term. How are you managing that? And still empowering our young people. And also, what are some of the needs that you're noticing um, even now, especially during this particular time in our our history? Our young people were ignored (laughs) during COVID-19. I mean, young people and children were just ignored. Much, Much of the commentary centered around the needs of adults. And we forgot. Mm, That's really good. We forgot that our babies were now who are now so used to socialization, so used to being around people, were now isolated. They were isolated. You know, there's a myth out there that children don't love school. No, they do. They Mm -hmm. love school. They love to go to school. And here's the thing. 
many of them dreaded being home because there was trauma outside of yeah, COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was trauma already in the home, and now yeah. they have to stay in this home, and you expect them to learn on a virtual platform. And so the cameras were off, and they were just in isolation. So now that everyone thinks everything is good, just understand that our children are still dealing with trauma. Yeah. They're still... So I'm one who promotes the social-emotional learning first. When I go and I train teachers and administrators in school districts across the country, we have to start every day with the pulse check, the social-emotional wellness of our children. We have to begin every day. Take the first 10 minutes of that class time and do that. And so... I do that. I encourage them. And because so many of them follow me on social media, I make sure that the content on my page is going to uplift them. Yeah. Right. I get so many direct messages from children and young people who are just crying out, just crying out for help, crying out. And sadly enough, in the last year, I've lost four young black male mentees to suicide. Jesus. In the last year. So imagine I was their armor bearer, and then you have to turn around and be a pallbearer. No, Imagine that. No. And so it's the pain. It's the pain that so many of our young people in general are going through, but black children in particular, black children in particular. And so that's why I'm so passionate about black children, so passionate about black youth, because black children and youth are still growing up in communities where especially black boys have been dehumanized. Mm-hmm in our own communities where they are taught that real men don't cry, where they are taught man up at eight years old, where they're in homes where they might be in a single mother home. And thank you for all single moms and the great work Mm. that you're doing. But I would say this real fast to single moms. Don't anoint your son as the man of the house Mm. at eight years old, at 10 years old. No, let him be a child. That is not your man, your bae, your boo. That is your son. And so they have these certain needs. They have to grow. He might be 15 years old, 6'3", all right, 220 pounds, but he's still a child. Yeah. And so what I do intentionally, Cherie, what I do is I allow black children to be black children. I allow black young people to be black young people. And in our culture, we have to get back to that. We have to get back to that. We have to get back to the streetlight theory, hmm. right? Where not only do you have to be in the in the house when the streetlights come on because we said so, but because it's safer for right, you. Right, right. It's safe. Right. So many black children and youth just roaming the streets and nobody knows why. And so we're out there mobilizing, doing that. And so it's very passionate. I'm very passionate about their social, emotional well-being, reducing the trauma, minimizing the trauma, loving them, supporting them, giving them the essence of love that they need and not only need mm-hmm. but deserve because we all do. I love that. When we talk about the the needs, <laughs> especially in this generation, wow. they're different. Yes, say that. And they're the needs that still like say for instance these needs existed when we were children. Sure. Exponent they may they may exist on an exponential level now Absolutely. with our young people. Absolutely. With that being said and understanding that is there is a level of 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 love and support that may be needed more so now. Mhm. Where does the balance come in between meeting that need, but also teaching them to function in a way where they're not entitled? Yes. And also balancing coddling because, you Mm. know, they need a certain amount of love, but you don't want to coddle to the point where then they become young adults and adults and struggle in adulthood because there were certain measures that weren't taken in that respect. So how do you kind of 
told that line as well? And well, I know that's a loaded question. Oh, but. no, but I love that. And the reality is it starts with responsibility in the home. Okay, my dad made certain that the trash was taken out, right? When we, cl- I'm just basic things. Yeah. When mama said clean the kitchen, right? <laughs> wash the dishes. She didn't just mean wash the dishes. Dry the dishes. Yeah, put them away. Put them away. I hated that key. Right, I know. It's like, I mean, man, why right, can't right, I just wash them right, right. and yeah. put them in the drainer? Or how about the dishwasher? Yeah, they, they'll, they'll dry. That? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Here you go. I had to mop the floor, sweep them. And mama expected the house to smell like pine saw. Mm. I had to take the clothes off the line because, you know, we, we had clothes on the line, right? Yeah. You had to fold them up. Before we turned on Soul Train on Saturday morning or any cartoons, we had chores to do. So we have to get back to that where our children and young people have responsibilities. They have to have responsibilities within the home. Yeah. So we don't pick up behind them. We don't have to repeat ourselves seven and eight times. No, they have to start in the home knowing you have responsibilities. And that's going to help them when they get out in what we call the real world. Mm -hmm. They have responsibilities. Another thing is, no matter what's going on, we have to teach our children and young people the value of respect. Yeah. Getting back. Oh, we've lost. We've lost yeah. it. Yeah. We, we've lost that. We got to get back to that respect. The yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Right. We have to get back to that respect. Respect your elders because there's going to be a time when you have to. So if you have this child in the mall and uh, he or she doesn't get his or her way and they spaz out in the mall and you do nothing, yeah. you do nothing. Now that's, that that child is going to spaz out as an adult. Yeah. And we see that now. We see that now. And so I think that balance is making sure that they have responsibilities, mm-hmm. making sure that they have discipline and structure, not abuse, but discipline, mm-hmm. structure, consequences. I'm taking your phone. I'm take no, I'm taking your I don't even have to announce it. Give me your phone. Yeah. Sunday morning we had to go to Sunday school. We had to go to church. Now you have parents asking them, do you feel like going today? Are you okay? Oh, no. There was, there was this rule. We have to get back to yeah. that where there are non-negotiables. We raised my son to understand this. You don't have to go to Six Flags with your friends and their parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you go going to church, right? You know, yeah, there, there are certain things you're going to do. You're going to go to church. You're going to school, yeah. right? And so I think just there, there, right there, the responsibility piece, the structure, the discipline, and then the listening ear as parents. Because hmm. parents didn't always listen. My parents didn't always listen to me. What, Facts. As a matter of fact, what did I have to say? I was, in a, I was a child, right? You stay in a child's say. place, right? Do what Remember I say. That? Right. Don't question right. me. Don't ask me. That's anything. it. Do, what did I? Why? Because I said so. Because I said so. We don't have, we don't have oh, Sheree, time to go I, back and forth. Sheree, I think <laughs> when we said this, uh, don't do as I, don't do as I do, do as I say. Mm-hmm. Parents, you need to understand out of fear, they will do as you say do. But out of your example, they will do as you do. Mm. And so if I didn't want my son to curse women out, I didn't need to curse his mother out. If I wanted my son to respect women, I needed to respect my wife, his mother. And so I think that's important. And then the coddling piece. We have to teach them to be resilient. (laughs) So if my son fell, for example, and let's say he bust his knee, I'm right there. I'm right there to pick him up. Right, I'm right there to hold him. Now yeah. we're gonna clean it up, get this alcohol, and I get back outside and play. Yeah. Instead of just uh, no, no, no. He's done for the day. Like, right, right. <laughs> and I, and you know what's funny? Because y'all, you know, mothers are something else. So I would say, son, take out the trash. And you know, sometimes my wife be like, oh, it's too heavy. I'm looking at her like, I don't know. 
Like, no, like, boy, take out that trash, right? And so to the beautiful mothers out there, I know, especially mothers, black mothers, you love your black sons. But listen, if you have that individual, that father or that uncle or that man figure, someone who is loving on your son, especially do not step in when that man gives him advice because what might happen is that man might retreat out of frustration mm. so we always say you know the fathers need to step up we need to be, fathers need to be more present you know but many fathers are mm. and then they get emasculated and so they step back mm. you know and they retreat and so i know i just said a lot but i think that's so very important that yeah. if we want to raise uh positive productive children today, they have to have structure. They have to have responsibilities and they have to have love and we have to teach them to be resilient. And so sometimes they have to make their own mistakes. And we did that with our son. He had to make mistakes Mm -hmm. and it hurt, but now he's more resilient. As a parent, as someone who has worked with children, all different levels of education, um, some special needs, some not. Right. Uh, when there may be somebody listening to me right now that's like, guys, you know, Sheree, Keith, this is a great conversation. I'm enjoying it. But, you know, I'm doing the best I can right. with my child. Um, and this could be a mother mother or a father, just that's a parent right. in general or a guardian. And they're saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm trying to enforce the rules. I'm trying to, you know, nurture and do the things. And I've been doing the things that you guys are talking about. But it's not working. Yes. What, especially considering mental health in this piece too, because we've been, you know, focused a lot on children and their mental health. Yes. But what say you to those parents who are still having struggles with their children despite their best efforts? I would say, get some outside resources, some professional help. I'm saying this, my son, I had to, I did get my son's permission to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and people might be saying, you got your son's permission? Yes, because he's valuable as well. My son and I, we have a family therapist. Mm-hmm. We have a family therapist. So my son and I sat on the couch together when he had issues, when I had issues. We cried on each other's shoulders. So I would say to any parent out there, get some help. Well, Mr. Impossible, I can't afford it. There are free resources. You just have to go. So it is Mental Health Awareness Month. It is May. <sighs> Woosa. Yeah. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale again. Um, and with that said, is there a a special message that God has put on your heart in this particular season that you'd love to share with those who are listening or watching right now? Absolutely. Don't lease your peace. Come on. That's right there. We right got the here. shirt. That's it. Right. People probably sitting here that are watching like, why do you got matching shirts on? Right. That's why. Yeah, that's it. Don't <laughs> lease Jesus. your peace. God gave this to me. Um during COVID-19 and recently launched. And this is the whole message that I'm putting out for mental health. Don't lease your peace. Now that the word lease means you voluntarily give, See, you give mm. it away. See, it doesn't say don't give, don't lease because you know, when you lease, it also only, says don't lose. Don't lo- there you, there Yours you says don't lease. Yeah, that's, that's very that's important. It, yeah. You all words. You I'm telling y'all, yes. he don't, yeah. Keith does not play about no, his words, ladies and gentlemen. You have to be intentional about not giving it away. And see, the thing about leasing, there's a time period. Ooh. There's a season. I want you to understand you can't even lease your peace for a moment. 
And a lot of times it begins with family members. You know, yeah. we've heard that, you know, blood is thicker than water. It is. Cherie, blood is thicker than water. But sometimes blood clots. Uh-oh. But water flows. There are some individuals in your family who are your blood, but then there are some who are blood clots. Mm. And a blood clot causes a disease, and that can be a dis-ease. Yes. And it can be fatal. So some of you right now are walking around, right, just two steps away from fatalities because you're leasing your peace to family members. It runs in the family, and that's why your family can't fly because you keep allowing things to run. Mm. So first of all, don't lease your peace. Don't give it away to family members. Don't give it away to friends, colleagues, coworkers, church members, nobody. That's number one. Don't lease your peace. Don't give it away. What does that mean? That means that you have to avoid toxic people at all costs. <laughs> and I do that. I do that at all costs. I'm very intentional. I understand all relatives ain't family. I understand we might have grown up together. I understand. But there are some people I only need to see at the family reunion, and that's every two years. And so, first of all, every day, number one, don't lease your peace. And then number two, we talk about mental health and self-care together, and we always say, you know, uh, you know, you should practice self-care so that you're good for others, Cherie. You need to practice self-care so that you're good for everybody else. I hate that, Cherie. <laughs> Watch this. You know, and, and I'm talking to women, especially. So I'll say, um, why do you deserve self-care? Because I'm a wife. Why do you deserve self-care? Because I'm a mom. Why do you deserve self-care? Because I take care of so many people. Attached to other so, people. Right. So let me ask you this. What if you weren't a mom? What if you weren't a wife? What if you weren't working for others? You still wouldn't deserve it? And so what I want you all to know, one of the ways you can increase your mental health and your peace of mind is by understanding that you deserve self-care because you do Period. Mm. Not because you can't pour from an empty cup. Man, forget that. <laughs> Look, you deserve self-care because you do, because you're valuable. I said this earlier. You are worth it, but only you can define your it. Mm. So, number one, don't lease your peace. Number two, you deserve self-care because you do. And number three, start saying self-I care. Mm. What is self-I care? When you intentionally look in that mirror every day. And you say, I am valuable. I am worth it. I am going to take care of myself with no apologies. Because, Cherie, you're one of those giving people as well. You're one it's, of those giving people. It's, it's a struggle. I, I know got, it I've is. I've gotten better. I, I have know. gotten better. But yeah. I, I, I know what happens when when you're continuing to pour and yes. pour and pour yeah. and pour and pour. Yeah. But there's no edification. There's nothing coming back on the other side. That's right. And so I think we get tied into these parasitic type of relationships Ooh. with people. Yes. And so if there's no level of symbiotic exchange happening, Come and it can now. happen on a number of levels, Yes. you do have to evaluate that, and you do either need to separate from that or call that thing out That's and right. work on it. Yes. But to stay in in one-way exchanges, it is dangerous. It's, it's, and for yeah. me, it actually made me have anxiety. It, it contributed to that to, to anxiety, and I started to kind of change some things in sure, that regard. Sure, I don't have anxiety anymore. I, I can't, maybe maybe once or twice in the last, you know, probably six months or so. Like, mm -hmm. I, it's not even a part of my life anymore. So it goes back to what you say. You ha We house those things inwardly. We Absolutely. Don't, we don't realize that we do. Yes. But a lot of times when sickness shows up, the root isn't necessarily just, oh, I ate bad. Right. I didn't work out. Yes, yes. those things contribute. But what stress are you holding in that's housing? It. Because that's going to affect you physically at some point. Yeah, and, you know, we say, uh, you know, um, 
most people are dying because of what they're eating. Yeah, but many more are dying because of what's eating them. Yeah. On the inside, you talked yeah. about that. But the de- but here it is, especially in the uh, in, in our black culture, in our race, we've been taught many times to minimize ourselves. Yes. Uh, we've been taught the value of just taking care of others. Mm-hmm. And not taking care of ourselves, and we do. We take care of others. We are we are we, we are people of love and acceptance and nurturing, and that's fine. But we have not been taught to love and nurture ourselves yeah. and to build ourselves, and that's why so many, so many are taking care of themselves. But when they do, they're apologetic about it. I want yeah. you all to be intentional. Listen to me. Listen to me, people of purpose, especially black folk out there. Listen to me. <laughs> be intentional about taking care of yourself. Black women, once every two months, you just need to go check in a hotel mm. for the weekend, a Friday night, come back Saturday, Friday, come back Sunday. Listen, and just watch television and order, you know, from Uber Eats or DoorDash, right? <laughs> Shameless plug, right? And then go to the restroom and come back out and get back in the bed. Man. And watch TV some more and just do that and just jump on the bed. Do it, but do that at least once every two months or once a quarter. You have to do that. Black men. You have to do that. Yeah. You have to do that. Every day I have a good laugh and every day I have a good cry. Mm. Let me say that. Black man, every day I have a good laugh and I have a good cry. That's a part of my self-care. I get pedicures. Brothers, get you a pedicure. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? I get, li- listen, they massaging my legs, the seesaw, <laughs> all of that. I do that. I get facials. It's not feminine, right? No, right, I take right. care of myself. Right. I take care of myself, and I didn't always do that, but it feels so good because, see, I had blockages in my heart. Mm. I was 2005. I was on, like, we were doing um, HBO's Deaf Poetry Jam on tour. I remember I was in L.A., and I was hosting the show, and I collapsed. Oh Get back God. to Atlanta, and I find out I got a blockage. Got blockages here. And my doctor at the time said, if you don't release some people, you're going to die. Jesus. And immediately I, I deleted about 50 people from my cell phone. I'm going to say this to you all. One of the ways you can improve your mental health is by deleting people from your cell phone who are not affecting your life, but they're infecting your life. You are paying minutes. Ooh. You are paying minutes for people to oppress you, suppress you, repress you, and depress you. So a part of self-care is by deleting some numbers, unfriending some people. You got to unfriend the unfriendly. (laughs) You understand? (laughs) You need to unfriend some folk. And so that's important. You got to stop looking at social media and comparing yourself. Because listen, the people that you're comparing yourself to, many of them are publicly balling, but they privately falling. Uh And I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that because you know... Being where I am right now, Sheree, one of the things that is minimize my 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 mental health is, you know, criticizing myself for not being where yeah, I feel yeah, I should, should be. be. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. So Even real. to this day, it's it still a battle. Look. Yeah. This is a constant battle. Right. Yes. It's real. But I'm making impact. Mm-hmm. You're making impact. And we might not always have a thousand likes, but I know people who have a thousand likes and no love. No love. And so this is real. Mental health awareness. And for my faith-based people, we're not going to get better, you know, according to Christ, the Christ we serve, right? Because I'm a Christian, okay? Christ-like, right? Working hard every day to do that. Thank God because I'm flawed, but Mm. I'm flawed in favor. So I thank God I'm in the game. The game. You know what the game is? The grace and mercy experience. I'm in the game. So no matter what, I'm in the game, you know, so I'm so thankful and I owe. 
Right. Uh, oh, remember New Jack City? Yeah. When he was telling Pookie, Pook, you owe. Yeah. Well, that's why I do what I do, Cherie, because I owe. I owe. God has been so good to me, so I owe. I owe. So in that faith-based realm, remember this. We're not going to get better unless we start with what? The renewing of our minds. Mm-hmm. That's why mental health is so important. We have to renew our minds. And so, yes, don't lease, don't lease your, your peace. peace. Mm. Before we get out of here, we got yeah. a couple more things to talk about. Yeah. I want to talk about Fathers Not Farther, Ooh. your program. I yeah. think that is um, something that, you know, we've talked about parenthood. Yes. We talked about your experience as a father. Mm-hmm. We've talked mm-hmm. about what our black boys need, yeah. black men. I mean, we've, we've kind of been treading that water this entire interview, but That's let's right. like get to the meat and potatoes. So Fathers Not Farther, yeah. uh, what's that program all about? That, that program was launched in 2019, and it started with Fathers in Head Start, mm-hmm. uh, primarily young fathers. And uh, mm, because so many young fathers just don't have the tools and this program gives them the tools, the coaching, the training. Right. And so I was intentional about the name of the program. Fathers, Mm -hmm. F-A-T-H-E-R-S, not F-A-R-T-H-E-R, that no matter what's going on with you and that mom or that significant other, listen, you know, I tell so many fathers, you might divorce your wife, but you can't divorce your children, Yeah. you know? And so we have these principles that say, I will reflect you, I will protect you, I will connect you, respect you, but I won't neglect you. I love that. You. And so we go into family advocacy agencies and school districts, and we do so much work with the fathers, and we get them coming out because fathers will pack the stands at Friday night football but they might not pack the PTA meetings. Hmm. And so we we tell fathers, you have to be there, you know, and we want to make it fun even for dads. We want to make it fun when they come. And so dads, look, come on, man, I can't, I don't have no, no dresser clothes. Said, no, 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 no. Man, wear your football jersey. Hmm. Come to that PTA meeting. We have this thing called Fifth Quarter. And Fifth Quarter is a program that, you know, after, after the game, it's only four quarters, basketball and football, right? So fifth quarter is when we mobilize fathers to stay in the parking lot. Oh, wow. To make sure those children are picked up, those young people are picked up, working with our law enforcement officials to make sure that our children are what? Safe. Yeah. So we encourage fathers to do that. But it's all about the fathers getting the tools, being equipped, and knowing that they are enough. Because, you know, a lot of dads don't feel Mm. like they are enough. A lot of dads don't feel worthy to come because of even the mistakes that they've made. But I'm like, no, even with the mistakes you've made, those children are going to light up yeah. when you show up. Yeah. And here's the other thing. What we found through this program over the course of the last four years, we've also found out, and we knew this, when a man shows up to a school, the atmosphere changes. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to say anything. And so the Father's Not Father, Father's Program, the Father's Not Father Program is in school districts across the country. We've done this work, you know, in uh, Barbados and the, the Dutch Caribbean and England. And just so we're building this global, this global structure here of dads who feel worthy, who are getting the tools they need. Right. Who are being equipped to be better dads. Yeah. Right. To, to love on their sons even more, to break down the paradigm, to shift the paradigm of when you were told that manhood you know, it's just about the amount of women you can sleep with. Wow. Or manhood is just you being a provider. No, mm. the best thing you can provide is time. Yes. 
right? That's the best thing you can provide. You might not even have the money, Dad, but your time yeah. to that child is priceless. Yeah. So that Father's Not Father program, we're very proud of that. It's only been around four years, but we're, we're, we're making great strides. We're growing it. And um, and that's awesome. And I want to say shout out to the Black Man's Lab, the Black Man Lab that 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 works, you know, with us as well. You know, uh, the Black Man's Lab is a powerful program. Look it up on social media, the Black Man Lab with it. Black men just and boys just meeting every Monday right here mm, in Atlanta. Wow. Just in a safe space. Mm. And so if black men and black young boys and black youth and black young males can get together and and we we share and and we're safe together and we're collective collectively safe and uplifting each other that's going to do a lot for our communities because absolutely I, I believe this real fashionery that the black community will get better when black men stand up oh i agree period 100% yeah I, i'm not going to dispute you on that at all yeah. i want to make sure that people know kind of what your moves are going to be, especially this summer. Yeah. School's out, but that doesn't mean Mr. I'm Possible is not going to be around because he's very much going to be everywhere he needs to yes. be. So what are some of the stops you're going to be making okay. in the coming months? And also if someone wants you to speak at their school or their church or with their small group or what yes. have you, how can people stay connected with you too? Absolutely. Well, you know, school is out, but learning is in. Booyah. Yeah, school is out, but learning <laughs> is in. And so and I do want to give a shout out to uh, Adrian Allen. You know. Hey, Adrian. Yeah, that's my publicist <laughs> who, who does a great job. She's amazing. At, she at is amazing. The brand that we have, mm-hmm. you know, the global brand that we have. You know, we'll be we'll be on the Don't Leash Your Peace tour this summer where we're going into cities uh, talking about social emotional learning Love and it. healing. As a matter of fact, uh, we're going to be in New York at the end of the month where we're going to empower over a thousand young black males wow. in the My Brothers Keeper Alliance. Unbelievable. You know, President, Unbelievable. President Obama's program. You that's know, not yeah. a joke. Yeah, I'm trying to that. tell yeah, y'all. Yeah, that's right. The New York Keith State. Keith ain't playing with yeah, these people I'm out here. I'm loving that. So New York State Department of Education. Love we're going to do that, My Brothers Keeper. And after that, we're heading to the University of Central Florida in Orlando for a communities and schools program where we're going to be working with hundreds of families at a conference from across the state of Florida. Then we're going to Wisconsin. I love Wisconsin. <laughs> Shout out to African Heritage Inc. We're going to be doing a lot of work with African Heritage Inc. and Juneteenth. Okay, and that's going to be the second Sunday. Yeah, second Sunday uh, in June. But before that, we got a sneaker ball coming up in Milwaukee. Oh, wow. All right, right. So we got so much on this tour, the Don't Leash Your Peace tour. And so just so many cities we're going to be going in. All right. Working with the University System of Georgia this summer, mm-hmm. working with youth, okay, at colleges and universities. So we're gonna be everywhere. And I would love to visit your city. I would love to come and invest in your city. And uh we can do that. We can make that happen by way of uh Adrian at the IPY agency. Okay. Let me y'all got that? It's Adrian, A D R I E N N E at the IPY agency, right? Uh, and then Keith speaks at KeithLBrown.com. You can hit us up. That's the email. Keith speaks at KeithLBrown.com. And the social media, Keith L. Brown it underscore. That's fleek. it. This it is. stays Keith, on fleek. Keith L. Brown underscore <laughs> on Instagram. K-E-I-T-H. Keith L. Brown underscore on Instagram and TikTok. Keith L. Brown 1911 on Facebook. Shout out to the Q's. Hurt. Shout out to the bros. You know, shout out to the bros, right? <laughs> and uh 
and Keith L. Brown 1911 on Twitter as well. And my website is KeithLBrown.com. So, I, you know, I, right there, KeithLBrown.com. Keith but we coming. L. Brown. Let me tell you yeah. something. We the coming. Foot, the foot is on the next, ladies mm. and gentlemen. Yeah. He does not play. Keith, I am grateful mm. for this time. Always grateful for any time I get with mm. you. But we haven't had one of these in a while. Yes. So yes. thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your gift with not only me, but everybody who's going to be able to experience this conversation and uh, I continue to be inspired by you. So I just pray that God continues to cover you and bless the work of your hands because it's great work. Mm. And you're, it's not work that most people can do. So thank you for your obedience because it is surely changing lives. You all remember, don't leash your peace. Yes. Catch them on tour if you can. That's right. We're going to do this again soon. Love you, brother. I love you too, my significant sister. You continue <laughs> to be empowered, not devoured. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. This is Just a Thought, hosted and produced by yours truly, Sharina Cole. Just a Thought is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube. And make sure you subscribe, share, download, and rate this podcast if you love what you've heard. You can follow the Just a Thought podcast on Instagram at Just a Thought Show and on Twitter at Just a Thought Win. That's W I N. You can also follow me, Cherie Nicole, on Instagram and Twitter on the same handle, Cherie underscore Nicole, S H A R I underscore N Y C O L E. This is just a thought, just a thought. It's my opinion. It's just a thought, just a thought. Get out your feelings. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.